to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Our reading this morning from Matthew's Gospel is about a remarkable meal. From Matthew, the 14th chapter. Jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from all the towns. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and he cured those who were sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is getting late. Send the crowds away from here so that they might go into the villages and buy food to eat. Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples said, we have nothing but five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, bring them to me. And he told the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, Jesus looked to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And everybody ate. And they were filled. And then they took what was left over of the broken pieces, and there were 12 baskets full. And those who ate, well, they just counted the men, and there were 5,000 of those, and there were women and children, lots of women and children. That's the word of God for us, the people of God. Together we say... Thanks be to God. Jesus is always gathering people around him. They want to see him. They want to hear what he has to say to them. They often come to him because they want him to cure their sickness. Matthew's gospel says that people come to Jesus by the thousands. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to plan a large event, pull together dozens or hundreds or maybe thousands. Maybe you've done that before. Large event logistics, by the way, are not simple. Usually takes months to pull something off of this scale. How do you get people in and out of the place safely? How many porta potties do you need? How do you provide medical services just in case there's an emergency? And then, of course, there's the question of food. How do you feed people once they're there with you? 
couple of years ago, you probably heard this story. There was a, a charlatan who tried to pull together a music festival in the Bahamas that he called the Fire Festival. Anybody remember about this? 8,000 people paid thousands of dollars each for what they were told would be a VIP week-long music event on an isolated Bahamian island. And when they arrived, it was a disaster scene. They found, like, wet mattresses under these ramshackle tents. There were no musicians at all who had showed up, and the people had been conned. They were stunned. It was one picture that circulated on social media that seemed to define the whole festival experience. Jason, will you show that picture of what they were given to eat? Right, this was the, this was the meal apparently that was handed out to these VIP festival goers. But apparently for Jesus, pulling together large events is not difficult at all. When the crowds got big, the disciples got a little anxious. They were worried. There wasn't anything around, nowhere for people to buy food. And so they told Jesus, send them away. But Jesus takes the two loaves or the two fish and the five loaves that they have and he blesses them and he breaks them and he gives them to the disciples. You are supposed to hear communion in that language. And he says, give the food to the crowds, and they do, and miraculously, thousands and thousands of people are fed, so much so that there's even leftovers. Most of the folks who write about this story in Matthew's Gospel say that this miracle shows us that Jesus insisted that the people around him have enough to eat. Among the community of Jesus' followers, there was a practice of sharing their food so that nobody was ever hungry in that community. The practice inspired a story that says, around Jesus, it feels like food just miraculously appears out of nowhere. There's always enough for everybody, and nobody ever has to buy it. The story about Jesus feeding 5,000 or more people is one of the most famous miracle stories in our Gospels. But the Gospels, you know, are full of miracles, feeding miracles, but also healing miracles. Jesus heals sick men and women and children. Jesus casts out spirits from people who have been tormented by spirits. Jesus helps people who have been blind so that they can see. Jesus calms storms. He walks on water. He raises the dead. One of the core affirmations of the Gospels is that Jesus makes miraculous things happen. Well, I know that I'm in the presence this morning of some people who struggle with these miracles. You don't have to raise your hand. We've talked about it together before. If you struggle with the miracles of Jesus, you are not alone. Any of you know what this picture of this Bible is? It's Thomas Jefferson's Bible. Later in his life, Jefferson took a bunch of Bibles and he used a razor blade and he cut them up and he reassembled them into his own version of the Bible, and he left out a bunch of the parts that he had problems with, including all of the miracles. 
I struggled with the miracles for a long time, too. I couldn't believe that they happened in the way that the Gospels say that they happened. My definition of a miracle was that a miracle is something that goes against the laws of nature, and I didn't believe that nature's laws could be broken. So Jesus, in my mind, was like Jefferson's Jesus. He was a great ethical teacher. I knew what he taught. He taught, blessed are those of us who are poor. He said, give to everyone who asks of you. He said, love your enemies. He said, the greatest among you is the one who serves. That was my Jesus, and that was enough. I completely fell in love with that Jesus, and I fell in love with the world that he described for us. It's a world in which all of us treat each other with dignity. It's a world in which compassion and kindness flow in us and through us and between us. It's a world in which nobody is ever excluded from the circle of grace, ever feels alone. It's a world in which all of us feel cared for. That vision of Jesus and the world that Jesus describes motivated me as a 22-year-old recent college graduate to go out and work in the nonprofit sector. I was set on living the way that Jesus described and trying to change the world for the better. I moved into a house in what some people call the rough neighborhood. I founded a nonprofit organization. We worked with teenagers who were growing up in a community that was often a hard place to grow up. I went to lots of meetings during that time of my life, community meetings. I got to know politicians and neighborhood leaders. I paid attention to how development works in the world, how private dollars get invested in certain places and not in others, how public money gets spent in certain places and not in others. I saw how police functions in the life of a community, and I saw how the juvenile justice system works. I saw how schools and teachers function. I saw how gangs work in the lives of young people. And because I had spent most of my life in relatively comfortable communities, I also saw how different life can look through a child's eyes when your family does not own anything. And when the world doesn't offer much hope that you will. The organization that I helped to create did good work for about five years and then it failed. This winter I went back to New Haven, Connecticut where I had lived and worked years ago and I rented a car this time so I got to spend a couple hours driving all around the town to all the neighborhoods where I had worked, everything that I had touched, at least from the visible eye, was gone. Everything had been ground up by the wheels of poverty. There was no sign that anything that I had done made a bit of difference. Over the years, 
Since I was that young man who fell in love with the ethics of Jesus, I have changed in a lot of ways. One way is that I read the Gospels differently than I used to. We all tend to read the Gospels with our modern lenses, and we use the modern categories for the world, our modern ways of knowing. We call miracles myths, and we dismiss them as unscientific. But as I read the Gospels now, I see that they are stories that are all about power. Power, right? Power is what makes things happen in the world. And for the writers of the Gospels, powers were all around them in the world all the time. Sometimes those powers were good. The rain would fall and water the crops. The fish would jump in your nets and you had something to eat. That's power working for good. But sometimes powers were harmful. Your child would get sick or the crops or your eyesight would fail. Sometimes the powers in the world were visible, the wind and the rain falling on your rooftop or the Roman soldiers walking through town keeping everyone in line or the tax collectors taking your money. Other powers were invisible. A spirit would possess the mind and body of a loved one. And then, of course, there's God, the greatest of all invisible powers. God may choose to bless you in your life, or God may choose to stay silent, and you wonder if God is there. Powers are all around in the Gospels. And so into this world of swirling powers walks this man, Jesus. And when Jesus walks in, the powers around him start behaving strangely. Things that people expected to happen weren't happening. Things that people didn't expect, unexpected things start taking place. Sick people are made well. People can see when they hadn't been able to see before. People who had been pushed outside of the community were brought inside again. Women and children were seen and valued in ways that they hadn't been before. Religious customs are broken, but done in a deeply religious way. Spirits are cast out of people. Spirits of violence and fear are replaced by gentleness and by love. Jesus has power. And his power heals what is sick and mends what is broken. When Jesus is around, power is abundant. And when power is abundant, change happens too. Lots of change is always happening around Jesus wherever he goes. People question what they have assumed to be true about the world. People's minds are changed. People that we had assumed to be not us are now part of us. People we had assumed that we were better than are actually just like us. People we had been afraid of are now sitting at our table and breaking bread together. What kind of power creates change like that? If Jesus has the power to change expectations, 
to change our relationships, our ways of seeing each other, if Jesus has the power to change our assumptions about the very way the world is knit together, what else does he have the power to change? Let me put it to you another way. Do you suppose it's more or less miraculous to change the social fabric, to change the way people perceive reality itself, or to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? Outside of this church, there is a refrigerator that sits on the sidewalk. It was put there a little over a year ago by a woman named Letitia Springer. Letitia decided that it was not okay, not okay with her, that anyone in our community be hungry. People, she felt, all people should be able to go and open up a refrigerator and take food out that is good to eat. There's no paperwork, no justification, and no question. Now that's not the way our world works, right? Our world works in such a way that we act as though you should only receive something if you've shown that you deserve it. Medical care, housing, food. You don't get it for free. You have to work in order to show that you deserve to be helped. But Letitia said that you deserve food because God made you. And God made you and you belong to me and I belong to you. That refrigerator is changing people. It's a deed of power. Or if you prefer, it's a miracle. I don't read the Gospels the same way that I used to. And I don't see the world in the same way I used to either. Our world is full of powers. Some of those powers help people, and some of them hurt people. Some of those powers are visible, and many are invisible. And among those invisible powers, all around us, God's power is at work. And God's power changes things. It changes our sense of who we are. It changes our relationships to each other. God's power changes our assumptions about the very way the world is fit together. There was so much power circling around Jesus. It was more than enough to make five loaves and two fish 
into a meal for thousands. Jesus made that miracle happen. And I believe that Jesus still does. Let the church say, Amen.